Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is a guy that I actually met this year. It was about a month and a half ago at Elk Camp out in Colorado. Now, I've been going to this Elk Camp for several years now, and Chuck, my guest on the show today, was able to come out this year. He's been wanting to do it for years, and his cousin actually comes out to Elk Camp. And so this year, he got the invite. He came out, and the story you're about to hear is something that he will relive for the rest of his life. It was an amazing opportunity and an experience that I was fortunate to be a part of. I absolutely love helping others find success on hunts, especially hunts of this caliber, something that a lot of people from the East and the Midwest mark off as you know a dream hunt or something that they're going to get to do one time ever. And to see him and to see his excitement, his desire to learn everything that he could while he was out there, and then to actually be with when he made a great shot on an awesome bull is awesome. So let's jump in to this episode. You're listening to The Western Rookie, a hunting podcast full of tips, tricks, and strategies from seasoned Western hunters. There are plenty of opportunities out there. We just need to learn how to take on the challenges. Hunting is completely different up there. I've harvested 26 big game animals. You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other way. It's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today, this is a little bit later than Elk Camp, but I'm pretty excited to have Chuck on because... We were side by side when he got an elk this year, and I'm not going to spoil all the details yet. I'll let him do that. But Chuck, thanks for hopping on with me, man. It's great to talk to you again, Dan. Great to talk to you. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since elk camp, but uh, but what an experience. You're probably still riding that high right now, aren't you? Yeah, I've uh, I, I really I've I've relived it at least uh, two or three times a week since we come back, talking with friends and family, and uh, and. Being a, a traditional East Coast hunter, I'm from uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, heading out to the uh, to the West in uh, in Colorado, it was uh, it was just a just a, a great experience. Yeah, I've I mean I've hunted with your cousin Mike a bunch of times. Is is it cousin brother in law? What what's the relationship <laughs> there? Yeah, uh, and that's my cousin Mike. Uh, so yeah, we've uh, obviously we've raced together. We're only um, so I'm the old one, but, uh, but yeah, we've, um, we've, believe it or not, we never hunted together, um, when we were young. Um, but, uh, we started hunting together probably about, uh, maybe 12 years ago, 15 years ago as, okay. uh, as we both got into adulthood, but, uh, but yeah. So, and, and when he moved out to Colorado and he really got into Western hunting, he introduced me to that. It's a, it's a great resource for me and, and what an opportunity. Did, did you guys both hunt growing up or was it something that you both got into later in life? No, um, 
Mike started hunting when he was young uh, with his uh, with his uh, his father's family um, and uh, a couple of his dad's friends. Um, the uh, my side of the family, uh, nobody really on on uh, on my side of the family were hunters. My dad didn't hunt. Uh, yeah, I, neither of my grandfathers hunted, so I didn't get into uh, to really hunting until I moved out to uh, to Lancaster County here uh, when I was in my early twenties. Um, and then number of friends uh, said, Hey, you, you want to, we're going to the deer camp. I'm like, uh, okay, what's deer camp. <laughs> and, uh, so the, it's, so it's starting later in life. I, uh, I didn't have that, um, really the, the fatherly and uncles and grandfathers, um, guidance, but, uh, had a lot of good friends and, uh, some of which I still hunt with to this day. Um, and, uh, um, have really enjoyed it and have, Really stuck to um, out here in Pennsylvania, white-tailed deer, and I do, I do some uh, upland bird hunting. Um, but uh, but yeah, so the getting into it was a little tough for me um, because of of uh, starting a little later in life. But um, love doing it, love the opportunity, absolutely um, uh, take advantage of the the meat that we harvest. Uh, most of my family uh, enjoy when I cook the either venison or anything like that that we get. Nice. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty big transition though, going from one, not hunting to hunting, and then also to take on the endeavor of coming out West and hunting, you know, like I talk to a lot of people from the Midwest, from the East. And it's like for myself included growing up in Wisconsin, I always thought, you know, it's going to be $10,000. It's going to be, you know, a month of my time. And there, there's so much that goes into elk hunting or going out to the Rocky mountains and hunting anything. What, what was that transition transition like for oh. you? Or what was it that sparked that desire to do it? It's yeah. They, well, I've obviously, once you get into, uh, get into any type of, of big game hunting here on the East coast, uh, with white tail is the big one and black bear, but, uh, but everybody out here, they're, uh, they're some of their dream hunts always had to do with, uh, with heading out West and doing a, a, a uh, an elk hunt or, uh, or a brown bear or something like that. Um, but um, for me, really, uh, I was under the auspice of looking, watching these these uh, hunting shows and, and these guys take the guided hunts out. And, and you always think about, oh, my goodness, how expensive can it be? And then you go to the uh, to the great outdoor show or something like uh, like that. And, and then you see the the guides that are, oh, it's it's five and eight and ten thousand dollars for these hunts. Um, yeah. But you know, with uh, with the way that uh, that 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 group um, that my cousin Mike and and you are involved with um, doing elk camp like that is a lot like we do elk, uh, deer camp here on the East Coast. It's a group effort, and uh, you guys all get together. It's great camaraderie, um, and uh, I'll admit the uh, obviously uh, the the gun that I use for PA deer is is not what what I could use for uh, for out west. So uh, when I got the invitation to come, I I uh, was like, oh, that just used to buy a new gun. <laughs> so, um, but but along with that, pre- preparing for a west hunt, uh, it's complete different different hunt, hunting ideology. Um, here, hunting the hardwoods on the uh, on the east coast, uh, especially in in Pennsylvania where we are. Um, a 70, a hundred yard shot is p- pretty much what you get, um, in Pennsylvania woods hunting. 
Um, so really, you, we're we're in the in the bigger brush guns uh, that we use the thirty uh, thirty to thirty five um, and that kind of stuff. And when you go out west, you really have to think about what you're hunting with and how far out the shots were. Um, and that was that was the biggest adjustment for me uh, was just um, really changing the caliber that I hunt with and uh, and how the distance that that you're really you're taking. What what caliber did you end up going out going with this year? Uh, the um, 300 Win Mag, um, nice. which, which now I, I understand um, is really a very popular gun out there. Um, so and that's I'm glad I did it. Um, and uh, looking over the uh, the guns and and the uh, the optics that you guys use out west, uh, maybe soon enough i'll I'll, uh, I'll be upgrading my optics but but because uh there's a big difference between what i have on my uh on my winchester 300 to uh to what you guys are, are using out there and i learned a lot with that yeah i mean that first year is always a learning curve and figuring out what gear because i mean going into it you probably get gear and you're like all right this is what i'm going to use this is going to work. And then you get out there and you might go, okay, I'm going to have to upgrade this. Or, you know, I didn't really need this. I didn't end up using it. Like I've brought so much gear out in the back country with me when we go to spike camp or something that I end up not using, but you know, yeah. in watching yeah. and the, the TV shows, you're like, Oh, I probably need to have this. And you really don't on some of it. <laughs> yeah. It, well, and that's what the experience that I had base camp was great. I mean, uh, we had the big wall tents and the campers and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and heading up to spike camp when, when we got up there, um, that's a different experience. And, uh, I've done a, a lot of, uh, of camping and canoeing and backpacking here, um, on the, uh, on the East coast and, and up on, on the Eastern part of, uh, of Ontario, Canada, and get in the backwoods and i mean like i've gone out and spent seven eight nine days in the backwoods of uh of canada uh but that again that's summertime summertime uh of uh, camping when where water is plentiful and uh and really the temperatures at night if it if it drops into the 40s you're like oh it's chilly let's start a fire yeah. and uh and when we hit spike camp that first night it was 18 degrees and uh and i thought my backpack tent was uh was good and there's a big difference. <laughs> so I, it was, it was a bit chilly. So, yeah. but, uh, but that, and, and again, hunting out of spike camp, you're, uh, you're really paying attention to the weight of everything. Um, right down to really, I mean, how much spare ammunition are you, are you bringing up with you? Um, is, is six rounds, eight rounds enough? I mean, how, how much do you carry with you? Because you're carrying water for three days and that gets heavy. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, be, having to pack all of that stuff in and think about it, you know, like, man, what happens if I have a malfunction on my gun? You know, do I have a multi-tool? Do I have an Allen wrench that I can take the scope off or recite it? How much ammo do I need? I'm sure it's similar to you when you're shooting 70 to a hundred yards, you're typically not dumping five or six rounds at an animal, you know, like they're one, not yep. going to stick around long enough. And two, yep. you're that close. You probably just, it, it's not as challenging to make a shot you know, on flat ground yeah. or on a small hillside at 70 yards as it is 400 yards at a 45 degree angle down below you. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I mean, it's wide open. I mean, if, if that elk decides to run, chances are you're going to be able to watch it for a couple hundred yards. And, uh, um, whereas, I mean, heck would, where we go hunted out at our place, if that, that deer could move 30 yards and you've lost it. 
Um, so, I mean, that's, uh, um, it's a different, um, different mentality. Um, but again, the challenges that go into, uh, elk hunting, um, are, are, are great. And, uh, and I, I mean, I, I can't, I can't thank enough the guys that were with me, uh, because obviously of a new, of a new elk hunter, but also the fact that, uh, that, um, the support system that goes into getting it. Just uh, having the opportunity, and then once you once you put a round down range, nobody do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's it, it's definitely not like dragging a whole deer out. You know, like you're not, you're not that, just. That, go ahead. You, you don't you, you don't hook a rope onto it and drag it by its <laughs> horns out out to, and uh, yeah. So. Yeah, it it definitely uh, opens your eyes to the amount of work that people put in, especially when they're going on these like DIY solo hunts in the backcountry with their bow, you know, one getting close enough. And we do luckily have a great support system. Like I've never been on a pack out of any animal where we didn't end up at least with four people uh, when I'm out in Colorado. Like people are just eager to hop in and I'm sure – uh, a lot of people can relate to that when they're hunting opening day of rifle season in whatever state, you know, you hear your buddy shoot and you're like, man, what you get? I want to come see. And uh, that excitement <laughs> is there, but sometimes you're getting yourself into a three mile uphill pack out uh, just to go and take a look at the animal. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. And what, um, when, uh, when I was fortunate enough to, uh, to, to get onto my bowl, um, a, a big accolades and thanks to uh, to the host here, Dan Matthews, because he's the one that actually first spotted my my bull that I took. Um, I mean that that was incredible. We had spent days and days out. Um, I think you were lucky enough. I think you got yours opening morning, didn't you, Dan? Yeah, yeah, opening day. Yeah, and then uh, and then we uh, we spent a number of days up on the mountain, and then we had weather roll in, um, which uh, which dumps. Uh, dumped snow up on the mountain and that and that really put a hamper on uh, on just the access getting in just uh where can you take the four-wheeler where can you hike um because that it that's when when you start talking about getting miles in um if you get uh, a four-wheeler or a side-by-side stuck um that that can put a, a real a real hamper on the day um so later in the week when uh when we were hunting we uh took some advice from a couple of guys and, and headed off on a different trail. And, uh, and fortunately some of the, some of the other gentlemen that were with us, uh, were, were familiar with that area. And so what, what was ours? Uh, I think we were Saturday morning, weren't we? When I uh, was mine Friday, I think Friday morning. Cause I want to say maybe, maybe no. I'm wrong. No, it was Saturday. No, morning. it was Saturday morning. Yep, it, it was, was Saturday morning. And uh, because Friday was when we woke up and it was, there was snow and we had blanket of beautiful snow. And um, I think you were up when that's when Joe got his yep. um, um, uh, Friday morning. And, and we were saying, you're crazy for heading out and this stuff. And, uh, <laughs> and here he comes back with the, with the bull. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And so we headed up uh, on the same trail and um in the in his side by side, and then I think you followed us up on on your four wheeler, and uh, it was early. We were up there early before the sun even started cracking. Couldn't see couldn't see much, and um, when we were decided, this is where we're going to start glassing from. Um, we just kind of hung around the four, the uh, the side by side for a uh, for a little bit, waiting for daylight to crack, 
and uh, I think you you mosey on on over to the to the edge to the edge at one point just to say let's see what I can see. I mean it's just starting to get light, and uh, and then you come you come <laughs> wheeling back to us going there's bull there's bull and uh, it's funny because at that at that moment it was when my adrenaline was like whoa oh my gosh this is <laughs> this is like here we go <laughs> like we um, we expected going into that morning that we were going to see some elk and from that spot you know joe had killed his right down below and his was around like 400 yards or something like that uh below yeah. the trail but i wasn't i was never expecting to walk out to the edge and be on bulls immediately because that day was cold and you guys experienced yeah. it that wind up there i mean we were all kind of standing in what little cover the uh side by side protected from the wind yep. and yeah but with that fresh blanket of snow that you're talking about i was like man it's not legal shooting light but with how bright it is out with the snow cover on the ground like we might be able to see something and it was no sooner than i got over that little knob there were two bulls standing down there yeah. so that was and that <laughs> that definitely that, doesn't happen often i it's and it, it uh, the 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 scattering happened quick grab your pack grab your gun grab the tripod and and uh and head down and let's find them and uh so yeah right from that little little knob that we were at was uh was a great overlook into this into this bowl and uh um and it it's it's it for me i mean we had been watching bowls and and uh and seeing out through the week um then looking down and realizing i'm i'm having to find this thing in my scope and uh and then you guys with your, uh, I guess most of you guys have, uh, have some, uh, I think, uh, you and Mike both have the vortex with the, uh, with the range finders in, in your binoculars yep. and I'm dependent on you guys to, uh, to really to scope it out and find what's going, how far out it is. And, uh, and I think, gosh, it was three thirty, Um, and, uh, for an East coast hunter, that was just, <laughs> 330 <laughs> yards okay and uh um but what uh what a rush it was to be able to just really hear that um between you and mike and uh and joe uh that were all around me confirm yep that's a shooter yep yep okay that's good and granted mine was a was five five a um, little smaller than than what had been taken before but for me it was it's a trophy um oh, yeah. and uh and to be able to hear it those guys saying yeah confirm I, it's a shooter yep oh yeah and uh so i i really depended upon uh on uh on uh mike and, and you dan and uh and those guys saying okay yep 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 distance is good okay wait wait for him to come broadside okay yep you ready and uh and really squeezing that first round off was uh was really the adrenaline just I mean, most of your guys listening to this have, have really experienced that, that, that adrenaline rush that comes through, that nothing else, you, everything is, is gone in the world. You, you are looking through that scope and you're looking down range and, uh, and it, the, uh, the experience of that. And then watching that bull go down was like, oh my goodness. And then I hear the other guys around me, yeah, you hit it. Watch them bump. Yeah. And uh, that was just, to just a wonderful experience um and then uh and then at that same time i think dan wasn't it that uh that chad uh, that thad was coming in to uh to to line up on that other bowl yeah yeah it was and, it was definitely a wild morning because yours i mean 
like you said, it's a team effort with the, with the different equipment, with trying to get in position, like there's no such thing as a great shooting platform out there on the mountains. Like when you're away from, when you're away from a man-made tree stand or a ground blind or something like you, you just kind of have to lay down and figure out somewhat comfortable of a position to get into. And so, yeah, yeah you, you shot that bull and right away, did you, were you able to, or do you recall hearing the impact on it? On, on my first initial shot, I did not. And, okay. and I, I, I always wanted to experience that, that the, you hear the crack and the thud. Um, um, but on the, on the last shot that I took at it, the, uh, the actual, yeah, um, um, at the end, um, was when I, I heard that, that, and, uh, and what, um, it's just, I, um, I had always wanted to, to hear that and, and to be able to hear that, uh, was, uh, was a great experience. And well, I, the, Taking the first shot and then looking down and realizing that other bull hunk was hanging around, wasn't, yeah. wasn't scattering was when, uh, I'm pretty sure you and Mike and, uh, were like, Whoa, 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 you got to hold off on that second shot. Um, when he went down, um, we watched him go down and the other one wasn't running away. He was just kind of moseying. And, uh, so we, we waited for, uh, for the other, uh, the other crew to come in for Thad to take a shot. And, um, that weight was just painful mm-hmm. <laughs> because of the cold and the wind. And, and really once that adrenaline wore off, you realize, <laughs> and because you, you got to sit behind a gun, you got to Cause I, I, we, I understood why we waited for the, uh, for the other hunter to come in and take that shot. But, uh, but I don't want to lose my bull. I mean, if he decides to get up and think he's going to run on him, uh, you're, you're going to take that, that next shot. And, uh, so I had to stay on that, on the tripod, on the, uh, on the scope and just, just wait. Oh my goodness. Sitting in the snow, <laughs> my hands are shaking. My butt's cold. <laughs> that, uh, that was, that was tough. Um, and then by the time, I guess uh, Dad took his shot, and then I could, I could let loose. I was shaking so bad I missed. <laughs> I, Mike, Mike was behind me going, oh, a little high, oh, little low, <laughs> just like, oh my goodness. But uh, but and then this is another great example at the end of it when uh, when when uh, I. I had four rounds in the gun, and then I had four rounds in my pocket, and I ran out of bullets, Dan. <laughs> I was shaking so hard, and the adrenaline was gone. It was cold that every shot – it, here, it turns out that I did hit it one more time, but it was in a, in a bad location. But, um, but um, I was out of rounds, and, uh, and I have to give props again to the group that was with me. Uh, Dan stepped up and said, hey, here. You, you use use mine, and uh, and that was my other experience with the difference of equipment of of getting to shoot your gun um, as compared to to my to my uh to my three hundred man. The optics that you were shooting through were just absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible. Yeah, optics. And, uh, people people don't give enough credit to optics out there because I mean I'm sure you experienced in in the first part of the week when you guys were out at Spike Camp doing a lot of glassing like eye fatigue can set in and you can get a pretty nasty headache if you're looking through, you know, anything that's 
smudged or foggy or cracked or just low quality. And I've yep. realized that in the past too. And that's when I was like, man, I've really, if this is something I'm going to do and it's going to be something I invest in because my vacations are typically hunting, you know, I'm not going on <laughs> yeah. these big vacations all over the place. I'm not flying, you know, different countries. I, I put my time and my money into hunting. And so I'm like, man, I'm going to get some good optics and it really has made the difference. But what you were saying with shooting your bull, that first shot, you hit it, it bucked, everyone saw it. And I've told this story multiple times, specifically about your bull, because I have never seen an animal losing its legs and balance for that long. Like as soon as yeah. you hit it, it started wobbling and we're waiting for it to go down. And then it was yep. wobbling and wobbling. And it seemed like 10 minutes of it just like stumbling back and forth. And we're like, when is this thing going to fall down or at least <laughs> give us another down. shot? Cause it was facing away from us at that point. Yep. It was and quartered away. Yeah. We're like, we can't get another shot on it. Like we just need it to be clear of that tree and we need it to turn broadside. And then finally yep. it did lay down. And that's when, uh, after Shad, after Thad had got a shot at his, you started taking up, yep. taking follow-up shots because obviously, yep. you know, we want to put it down and make sure it doesn't get back up or get away or get injured. All right, guys. So gift season and the holidays are upon us, which means you need to start thinking about filling the gap underneath the tree and stuffing the stocking full. Luckily, Vortex has a large line of optics and apparel that meet every gift need in your life. A couple great stocking stuffers are the Procar window mount or the Venom Red Dot. I've got the 3MOA version and absolutely love it. If you're looking for that gift that's going to wow the outdoorsman or woman in your life, check out the Razer HD spotting scopes or the Ridgeview carbon fiber tripod. But don't forget their amazing line of apparel either. Some of my favorite pieces are the Shed Hunter Pro jacket and the Sun Slayer hoodie. So for all of your gift needs, check out what's new from Vortex at vortexoptics.com and head to your favorite Vortex dealer to make sure you're ready for everything fall can throw at you. Right, right. And uh, and that was, uh, like I said, I, that, that not, I mean, you can practice all you want at a, at a gun range, at a, on a bench and that kind of stuff. But when you're in the field and you've got the elements and I bet you it was probably what that morning, 22, 24 degrees. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was with well the wind. freezing. Yeah. With, and then the wind at our back, um, uh, coming over that knoll, it's just, it was just going knifing through you. And, uh, I mean, my hands were cold, my, my feet were freezing and, uh, uh, just, you were, you were shaking. The adrenaline was, was gone on me and I was just shaking. And, and I was like, I'm looking through my optics going, my gun i can physically see my gun shaking because i'm shaking <laughs> and uh and but you you gotta just breathe and, and exhale and hope that you put it down and uh and then changing positions for me was the right thing to do because uh, when i moved to to your uh shooting off your gun we put it down i was laying down then prone with the gun on the backpack um and uh and i think between that because the shaking variable out of it because it, it, the gun's propped on the on the, the backpack and and then uh, and then having your uh, your uh, your optics just adjust it right to I think when it finally went down was 360 yards um, and you dialed that scope right into 360 and I looked up at you I was like dude I don't know what I'm looking at he goes I said where do I hold it and you said just crosshairs where you want it to hit it'll go 
and uh and that's where i was like okay and took a deep breath and uh and that's when the difference in your gun to my gun uh i mean mine just is just loud ridiculous boom and then firing yours um i guess the break on yours changes the uh the the the, the really the breach sound and then hearing that that thud uh when when it, it went deep into the into the uh, uh vitals in the body you could just and it was it was great. I mean, and I can't thank you enough for, uh, for just being there and, and, and giving the support and, and allowing, uh, allowing me the, the use of your fine, your fine weapon. And then also coming down and helping pack out, um, yeah. you and, and, uh, and Mike and, um, Oh gosh, who else was down there? It was, um, um, was, I, I want to call him Trinidad, but, uh, we always call him Trinidad. <laughs> Trinidad. <laughs> Uh, yeah just coming and, down and helping i mean that's that's another part of the journey that people overlook you know a lot of hunting shows they highlight everything reaches the climax of the story when they pull the trigger right but yeah. like there is so much more that happens before and after that that people have to take into account because oh that, my gosh yeah you, you had one of the closer shots of the week you know it's yep. right next to the side by side three but it was all downhill but packing yep. out <laughs> packing out an elk quarter or a head or both yep. 360 yards almost straight up a hill straight up. is no joke yeah and uh, like i said I, we were close i mean uh, heck where where you got your bull you were miles back uh yep. taking hours to get it and then same thing with rudy uh i was with uh I was with um, I was with Rudy when uh, when he got his and and again we were we were three and a half miles from Spike Camp and Spike Camp was two two and a half three miles from the four wheelers um, so I mean that and those type of situations uh, were just um, and I when when Rudy shot his um, he was a five hundred yard shot like 490, I think. And Mike looked at me and I said, there's no way I'm taking a 500 yard shot. There's no, there's, there's no way. <laughs> so, um, but having that support and, and really, and being there and, and helping, um, uh, I was disappointed early in the week that I, that I wasn't able to take a shot, but then being able to help guys just, it was such a, uh, an incredible experience. And then, uh, and then the camaraderie that you have, because coming in for, for me, I had never met these, what, 18, 19 other people in camp. Um, and then all of a sudden they're just, Hey, what do you need? What do we got? Where, where are we going? And, uh, um, was just a great experience. Uh, and, and, uh, um, watching and helping and, uh, and then learning too, because I have done, I've butchered my own light tail to, I uh, harvest my own whitetail here in PA, and then I also do my own uh, my own butchering in the garage and processing. And, but it's a complete different ball game when you've got a 600, 700 pound beast that you have to maneuver around. Uh, you can't manhandle an elk. <laughs> <laughs> no. It takes it takes it takes two or three guys to roll one over. Um, so and uh, and learning that process for me how to uh, how to quarter out a big animal and then debone it in the field and put it in the game bag. And really, the proper way to tag it, and uh, and I was not familiar, and uh, and had to learn the process of uh, of gender identification with uh, with having to take the uh, the uh, the genital parts out with with the meat, and and then tagging that properly. Um, 
And those are all things that as a, uh, as a first time hunter, if you're DIYing your first time hunter and you don't know that, um, that would be a hard lesson, an expensive lesson to learn. If you just quartered out your meat and carried your hand and not realizing that you have to have proof of sex in the, uh, in, in the game bags, um, I'm sure that, that fine is not cheap. Um, no. But, uh, but, but yeah, having guys that are experienced and knowing how to do it and, uh, and really, uh, really was, uh, the, the pinnacle for me, uh, was not only pulling the trigger and watching my elk go down, but then the help and, uh, and knowing that I'll be, I'll be carrying the meat out and processing it myself and eating it and feeding it to my family and being and sharing with my friends. Um, and, uh, and that's, uh, that's for me is what hunting is about. Um, is really the the sharing of the endeavor uh, and experience. Yeah, I that there's something special about that group of guys, and I'm sure there's plenty of other hunt camps that are like it. And like you said, you've got one similar to it in PA. I've got similar hunt camps in Wisconsin that I go to, but out there, everyone is so willing to help out and teach. And we put such a high priority on getting first timers an elk. I mean, I think this year out of the seven people that got elk, five of them, it was their first ever elk. And that's what we were. That's one of the things that we went into it hoping to do. You know, we were, yeah, the way that they have it structured is if, if you shoot an elk, you go to the bottom of the list. So if you're hunting with five people and you're the most recent one to shoot, now you are number five on the list to shoot at another one. And if there's right. a first timer out there, they bump up to the top. You know, if it's a first timer that's been out there for five years and hasn't got one, you know, they're up above everybody else. But but this year it was just so cool to see that many people come out, that many people be become part of the community immediately. You know, it's like yeah. a brotherhood that there's no initiation. All you have to do is show up and you're one of us. And yeah. there's guys and... that come back year after year and I've, I've turned down so many different hunts in Colorado because people are like, Hey man, you should come out and do this archery hunt with me, which I really want to do. I want to shoot an elk with my bow, but knowing that I can only shoot a bull with either my bow or my rifle, I mm-hmm. won't, I'm not going to miss another elk camp uh, with right. that crew because there's just something special about it that you don't find everywhere you go. Yeah. It's, it's, it really is, and uh, and and had opportunity. I mean, uh, um, um, my cousin had. I've been bugging him for years about, hey, dude, when when can I get when can I get out? And he would always tell me. He said, "Elk camp is no joke. It's tough, <laughs> tough hunting." And uh, and I was like, well, "I know, but I just want." Oh my gosh, I I think I well, you know, getting cell coverage up on the mountain is different. And uh, I think it was day two. I texted my wife going. Today was a brutal assault on my mind <laughs> because you you just gotta push yourself to do because you know I mean you've got you've got uh, one of the guys got an elk but we were we were three and a half miles from spike camp and it was one o'clock in the afternoon and we knew that you have four four hours of daylight left and you got to get the meat you got to get everything back and you got to get it in a tree and then we. We, we got it six feet up in a tree for overnight. And, uh, I, but that had to be 200 yards away from camp. Um, because you're, you're not putting meat right next to your tent. That's for sure. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that it's those type of experiences that, uh, that really, it, 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 you build a camaraderie and then it, it really makes guys, 
uh, come back because, I mean, elk hunting is not easy at all. Um, whether you're, whether you're, you're hunting off the trail with a, on a four wheeler or side by side, or you're going back country like we did, um, each one has its challenges and, uh, and really having the help to, to, to do it has to be done after you pull the trigger. That's, uh, that's, that's the, uh, that's the important part. Yeah. Well, and I mean, on the equipment side of things, there's so much that goes into elk hunting before you ever even get up on the mountain opening day, you know, the amount of equipment that we need to get just to get back to camp, to get camp set up. Like you mentioned, multiple wall tents. I mean, we were unhooking trailers from trucks so that we could pull fifth wheels that got stuck in the mud out. And we were exactly side by sides off of trucks or off of trailers to, you know, go up front and, and hook that to a truck that's hooked to a truck that's pulling the fifth wheel. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. And then on top of that, you know, from where we set up uh base camp to where we hunt, you're talking a 45 minute four wheeler ride every single day if you're coming back to base yep. camp. And so the amount yep. of equipment that you need just to get into the spot that you're wanting to hunt. I mean, there's guys that do it on foot and kudos to them. I'm not, you know, I, I will take a ride on a machine for as far as I can before I have to get out on foot and walk. Uh, but yeah, the, the vehicles that you need. And then on top of that, the backpacks and the tents and the stoves and the heat source and carrying your water or filtering your water, pulling the trigger, what rounds are you using? I mean, there's a lot of research and thankfully, uh, in today's day and age, the technologies out there, the video resources are out there to where you can go and learn a lot of this stuff, but nothing comes close to actually getting out there and experiencing it. Um, yeah. As far as the learning curve goes. And taking the advice of the other guys that you're hunting with and seeing what they're using and the, the success that they have with the, uh, with, with how they're doing it. And, uh, and really that advice, just soaking it all in. Um, and really getting into a, uh, into a group like that, um, with that many hunters and that much, uh, was such a, was, was an incredible experience for me. Um, because I head now West. I mean, if you want to do it from where we are, you have to pay those thousands of dollars for the, uh, for the guided hunt. Yep. And, uh, um, and, but getting involved with a group like that is, 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 uh, is wonderful. Um, and kudos to you guys, like we had talked about earlier, because putting those, uh, putting the new hunters up and, and getting five bulls for, uh, for first time elk hunters. Um, I was so privileged to, uh, to be, to be in that group. And, and at the end, at the end of the week, when, uh, when we all got up and took our pictures all together and, uh, and having that group, group of bulls all down there. And, uh, and, it was just great. I mean, showing pictures like that to, to friends here going, yeah, this was, this was what camp got. And they're like, everybody's just <laughs> mind bought was blown to see that many, um, out of camp. And, uh, and so that was, it was awesome. And, and I think of the seven bulls that were taken, I think, do I, did I hear it right? That you were a part of or helped in four or five of the bulls that yeah. week. Yep. Yeah. I think it ended up being full. Well, so I helped pack out Rudy's from from, from Spike your guys' Spike Camp. I didn't help yeah. from the get go, but I helped pack that out from Spike Camp. And then 
I think I was a part of everybody's except for Adams aside okay. after that. So yeah, right, right. it it was cool. I mean, like I said, I, I got mine opening day. And then from then I was like, listen, I'm going to go out and I don't know that I missed a morning the rest of the season. I was out there cause I was like, Hey man, I got mine and everybody helped me. You know, I had a great group of guys that bombed in and Addie came with and she helped out and, uh, they all helped me pack mine out. And I was like, the rest of my week is dedicated to helping everybody else out. So I went out every morning, every night, just glassing, trying to figure out where elk were that, that we could get other people on. And so I, I think it's funny because a spot that we've never really hunted before, which is where you got yours, where Joe got yeah. his, where Thad got his, uh, we've always kind of overlooked that we've gone back in there before, but never spent the time like we did this year. And now yep. I feel like there's going to be a lot of competition just among our group to go back in there again. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, uh, and really it's, it's sometimes weather changes like that force you to, to change up your game plan. Yep. And, uh, and you have to, you have to take advantage of what's open to you. And, uh, so, and, but from the, from the North side where you're hunting, looking down over that, you're thinking, Oh my God, that is so inaccessible. How, yep. how are we ever going to get back there and here? there's a trail that leads to the backside <laughs> and uh and I, I don't think i would walk from the uh from the north side where we were to those trails that that we ended up taking my bull on but uh that would be a heck of a heck of a walk but uh knowing that 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 resource is there in the in the future uh it could be a coordinated uh coordinated thing if, if you know guys are hunting up on that side and someone takes a shot the elk are going to, are going to cruise over that ridge that was in front of us and, and come into that bowl yep. um, where you could take advantage of it. So, yeah. And I mean, but, I, I think it's cool that not only do we find spots like that, but as a group, we're so willing to share those spots with other people. You know, I've been mm -hmm. around many other places where it's like, Hey, this is my area. Like this is where I'm hunting. You can go hunt over there. I mean, even just in, a 40 acre chunk of woods, you know, somebody might claim a corner and it's like, Hey, stay out of my corner. Whereas this is public land and we're still like, it takes a long time to find some of these spots where it's a target rich environment. But then once we do, it's like, Hey, who's coming with me tomorrow? We're going to find elk. Let's go do it. And then you do it again yeah. the next day. And even in future years, you know, although like Joe, Joe put in a ton of time glassing that area. Joe and Casey, basically mm -hmm. all week they were over there and they were seeing elk that were sometimes a mile and a half, two miles out, but they were telling everybody about it. They're like, you guys got to come check this out. And really it's because of the legwork that they had done throughout the week that we even knew it could be a good spot to hunt. Um, but yeah. they're just so willing to, to offer that spot to other people if they're wanting to go and hunt. Yep. Yep. And that's, and that, and that's kudos to the, to the close knit that, that these guys feel in, uh, in, uh, in our, uh, in our health camp. Um, and knowing that, uh, I mean, communication is key when, if you know where certain guys are hunting and, and, uh, also it's a safety issue too. I mean, knowing that, okay, he's Joe's heading there and you're heading there. At least you knew where they were heading in the morning. If something were to happen and he's not back, you can say, Oh, well, this is where he said he was going. And you've got somewhere to start looking for them, yep. <laughs> but uh, but 
yeah, I mean, that's the sharing of information, that kind of stuff. I mean, uh, it's, it's great. I mean, now I don't think I'd ever give directions to, uh, to somebody as to where we were hunting. Oh no. <laughs> so hey, wh- wh- where were you hunting? Uh, Northwest Colorado. Yep. Northwest Col- <laughs> or what, what was it? Uh, Durango? Is that, is that the other spot that, uh, Adam was telling people he's like, Oh, yeah, Durango, yeah. Durango. Yeah. It's always Durango. So, um, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like we've got a really cool spot back in there and I think it's going to be, it's only going to continue to grow, you know, like there's new people that come every year or every couple of years and, uh, they quickly become a part of the group and now we've grown it. And one of the really cool things that we do at that elk camp is because of the team effort that it takes to get an elk down and then get it quartered out and, and packed out, uh, no matter who pulls the trigger everyone has an opportunity at an equal share of meat. And so, you know, between all the elk that get taken, uh, whether or not you're the one that pulled the trigger, if you want to pay for some of the processing, you can bring home a box of elk meat and uh, get to get to participate in the reward of it. Exactly. Exactly. Because again, it's like, like we had said so many times, it's a group effort. Uh, You, I, all you, I, I don't believe that you could solo hunt where we were going and, uh, and get an elk out of there. It would be oh, yeah. so much work. Um, now, I mean, the right guy with the right equipment could do it. Um, but it would take him days, I think. Oh, for sure. Um, and, uh, and, but yeah, that, and that's the great part is, uh, is knowing that, uh, afterwards that, you know, you are going to share in the bounty. Um, and, uh, and I think every hunter you'll, you'll, you'll ever talk to will absolutely loves to share his harvest. Yeah. Um, will absolutely. Like I, I, I process and make my own snack sticks and, and jerky and that kind of stuff. And forever, every time like we entertain here at the house, I, uh, I will always grab a pack out of the freezer. And, uh, and if I have some to share for someone who really is a first time throw it and really like it. I'll go down and get a small pack out of the freezer and say, Hey, here, enjoy it at home. Just I, I, cause some people out here have a, have a bad, uh, uh, connotation of what venison tastes like here. That as far as whitetail, uh, out here and, you know, venison has a different feel. Elk is absolutely incredible. Oh, um, so good. I, I, I'd love to, <laughs> love the taste of elk. Uh, but as a matter of fact, right now it's, it's uh dinner time here on the East coast. And, uh, and I have, sitting on the counter i'm wait, waiting to put some uh some uh, some backstrap on on the grill as we speak yes. uh, and uh so and, and that's where we'll be serving it to uh to uh my father-in-law and uh, my younger son and and uh and that's that's what i love to do and and they they're like oh what are you serving i was like oh i'm putting backstrap on and they're oh okay we'll be there <laughs> so uh but yeah, and that's and that's the fun part. When when I when we entertain over the holidays and and people ask, well, what do you do? You have it? Are, are you making those tenderloin um, uh, bacon bites again? Because um, I mean, they loved it. I've I've served it one or two times for holiday parties, and uh, and they love it. Little little piece of uh, of bacon on top of a, like a one inch square chunk of tenderloin with uh, with some sour cream, and onion chive sour cream, and uh, and it's just, it's one of those that they're just, hey, it's so good. Well, yeah. First of all, you're eating a tenderloin. So, <laughs> and, uh, and second, it's, venison is, is a great meat. Uh, so, oh, yeah. but it's so. good. It's healthy. And I mean, there, there's a big movement right now with 
really knowing where your meat comes from, you know, like a, there's a lot of people mm-hmm. even who aren't into hunting that are opposed to factory farming and they're trying to figure out, well, how can I get good, healthy meat that's grass fed, that's organic, that's whatever. And it's kind of crazy to see the demographic of hunters shift in me personally, knowing people that would never have hunted before who are like, Hey, I I'm interested in this. Like I've heard about the meat. I've heard of how great it is. Um, in fact, I was at, I was at lunch with some guys from church today and one of them was like, dude, I got to get some of that venison, man. You talk about it all the time. And he's like, I'm not going to go hunt. And I was like, well, you need to come hunt. And he's like, no, man, I'm scared of everything. <laughs> like, I'm not going to, he's like, I know I'm bougie. Uh, I'd be scared if a raccoon walked past. And I was like, no, we're going to get you out. And, uh, but for him to even be able to try some of the steak or some of the burger or some of the, the snack sticks or whatever. Yep. Um, it's just yeah. a cool way. Sharing the meat is an amazing way to introduce people to the sport that we love or even just change their opinion about it. Yeah, absolutely. And to be able to, to serve it on my dinner, dinner table to a guest or something and say, yeah, well, uh, and especially l- later in, in hunting season, when I, when I could look at my, the calendar and say, well, 13 days ago is what is when this was harvested and, yeah. uh, and to be able to say, yeah. And from, uh, from field to, to processing the freezer, I, I I was in control of everything. And, uh, and, and that was, that's the great, that's the great part about, um, of, of knowing where your bounty is. And, and also it's also the, uh, the ethical way to treat the animal. Yep. Um, because you're, uh, I, one of the, uh, the older guys in deer camp that we go to, um, he's, uh, gosh, what is he? 77 or 79 this year. And, uh, and he'll proudly say that he's only ever shot two buck in his life. Um, and cause he says, I can't boil and eat the horns. Mm-hmm. Um, and only because, I mean, he, that he was from the generation that the deer that they took fed their family for the winter. Yeah. And, uh, and that was what, and, and that was the mentality that, that he had. I could care less how many points are on the, on that, or is it, is it a legal walk? Great. It's, it's food, food for my family. And you know, my, my daughter now that they're, are a little hard, a little hard up this year. So she's getting the dough this year, and uh, and that kind of stuff. And people really love it, and and having those programs with uh, with hunters that share, with putting uh, that uh, processing guys that really share the the harvest with uh, with people in need, and, and that's that's a great great thing that I think hunters really uh, are involved with and and share. And, uh, and cause they, the, the hunting experience itself is wonderful. Sharing the harvest is, is also the back part of that. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's, it's just a cool way. Uh, I mean, it, it creates awesome dinner conversation when you're sitting around and you're telling the story, you get mm-hmm. to relive it again. And, you know, yep. like behind me, I've got all these animals up on the wall and there's plenty of people who are like, oh man, trophy hunter, trophy hunter. And I'm like, these sit on my wall just the same as a picture does on a phone. Because yep. every time I look at them, I can tell you exactly where I was, what day I shot it, the whole process start to finish. The meat's been consumed, I think, from basically all of these, except maybe one of the bucks that's out of frame. And uh, that's just because we haven't, <laughs> that was shot right before elk camp and we haven't finished that one off yet. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just it's just a cool way to remember it. And I like what we yep. do at, at elk camp, you know. There's plenty of big buck contests. You know, you go to the local bar or corner store or wherever, <clears throat> and they'll have a contest for whoever shoots the biggest buck. 
Well, the guys that we hunt with, they wanted to do something similar to that, but they didn't want to breed the, the idea or the culture of, Hey, I'm not going to shoot it because it's not big enough. And so they actually went a step farther and our camp does, uh, everybody puts in the pot if they, if they want to participate and then 25% goes to the first 25% goes to the smallest and 50% goes to the biggest because one, yep. everybody wants meat, you know, we would hate yeah. to be out there and we have five people come back throughout the day and man, it wasn't bigger than that one. So I didn't shoot it. It's like, no, everyone's yeah. out there. Like we all want meat and the more elk that we get down, the more meat that we can bring back home to our families. So exactly, exactly. Well, good. Well, it's been a- Dan, I, I, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity. To, to relive it and 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 talk about this and uh and and again i i said it earlier in the show that uh that i thank you for your experience and your uh your willingness to help um and uh and obviously for finding my uh for finding my bowl over that knoll uh but uh but yeah you you in particular and and a lot of the other guys in camp are just are wonderful great outdoorsmen and uh just it was a great experience for me that's awesome it was great meeting you and getting to hunt with you are you coming back next year is this going to be a yearly thing for you uh well i i don't believe i can come back next year but uh but i i will be uh if if the invitation arises again from uh from my cousin i i will definitely make the time in my schedule to come out again um but uh but yeah the uh, the experience is for me is just burned in, in my memory for my lifetime that's awesome. Well, congrats on an awesome bull. Uh, one thing that I, I ask every now and then, if I remember before I end the podcast, do you have a bucket list hunt? Is there something that's like absolute top? And if so, the species and the location and the weapon that you would use. I look back on a social media post that I did um, about eight years ago with a friend of mine when we were up at deer camp and we put together a uh, a bucket list hunting of it and we we posted together and my top one was colorado elk hunt that is awesome and uh and that was with with my uh when i came home actually i did it from uh from from camp uh, the the last saturday and and uh and said bucket list checked off and uh and just so proud of uh of for the opportunity and the fact that I had that I had a chance to do it and I didn't have to pay a guide all that money to do it. <laughs> I know. Right. So, that's, that's just the yep. icing on the cake. Well, congrats yep. again, man. And enjoy that, that backstrap. That's going to be tasty. Yes. Thanks a lot, Dan. Take it easy. Thanks Chuck. You too. And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. What a cool experience just to relive all the events from the week. It was awesome to sit down and chat with Chuck and just to hear his excitement and to hear that he was able to cross this off of his bucket list, the number one hunt that he wanted to go on and he was able to come out and do it successfully. A few things that I do want to hit on though is the gear that we were using because we referenced the optics quite a bit and optics make a world of difference when it comes to being out there. You're spending a lot of time glassing. You might need that extra magnification or just to get a closer look at an animal before deciding to make the stock in or to pull the trigger. And so the binoculars that I was using, 
that his cousin Mike was using that our friend Sean, who is the guy who got me on my first bull, that he uses are the Fury 5000 range finding binoculars. They are amazing. They give you accurate ranges on animals way, way out, and they'll, re they'll range a reflective object, I think, out to 5,000 yards, which blows my mind. But we were able to use these binoculars on multiple hunts, on mine, on, I think, three other bulls that week, and they did the trick, put the elk down in an ethical manner. Now, the scope that I was using, that he was talking about, I let him use my rifle for the follow-up shot, and that rifle was topped with a Razer HD LHT scope from Vortex. Now, it's a 4.5 to 22 by 50. It's a first focal plane, and I absolutely love it. I actually topped it with the Kenton Industries custom turrets, and so I sent them over the information for the, the rifle itself, the scope height, the rate of twist, the muzzle velocity, the grain of bullet, all of that stuff and they sent me turrets that all I have to do is crank it to four if it's a 400 yard shot, 3.6 in this case if it's a 360 yard shot, and it did the trick multiple times this year out in Colorado on my bull as well as two other bulls for uh, either initial or follow-up shots. And so that is a scope that I highly recommend. It's gonna stay on that rifle forever. I mean, I don't think I'll ever switch from that. To have that in your arsenal, is a great tool and so if you're looking for any vortex gear go check out vortexoptics.com and see what they've got to offer for your upcoming hunts anyways it's been an awesome year so far hopefully you guys are wrapping up your seasons with success hopefully you're getting out there and having cool encounters with the different animals or maybe you still have a season coming up that hasn't even started yet and all the best of luck to you but until next time get out there and chase a new adventure